So after Patat came back to us with his army of acid-flinging insects, we discussed the plans for the miracle again. Seriously. As if there was anything we could do after the statue was skipped to the square market. The only thing I thought we would be doing was waiting for that crown to drop on my head. Well, I was wrong. First of all, moving the statue and everyone took much more energy than I'd expected and it seemed it dropped me unconscious for a long time. By the time I woke up, it was obvious we weren't just going to be able to wait. More was going on. This is Nidak, my adventure. Written down in a better way than I can tell it. Episode 63, Not Her Destiny Nida groaned at the bright light penetrating her closed eyelids. Someone shook her shoulder, a voice which couldn't quite cover up distant yells and clanging, said, Nidak, Nidak, wake up, please, wake up. James, she's not waking up. You said it was only unconsciousness from doing too much. But she's still not waking. What if it's more? What if she never wakes up again and all is lost? We can't fight and we'll die, adopt this. Wake, wake, I'm awake. Nidak knew her mouth moved and the words formed, but no sound came out. Melia kept wailing, panicking more and more. Nidak tried to move her hand to Melia's. Nothing happened. She continued trying to talk. Maybe Melia could see it. Oh! Eyes! Perhaps she should open her eyes. Yes. Ouch! Bright. Orange dancing lights. Too bright. I'm awake. Finally, she caught Melia's attention, who stopped shaking Nadak's shoulder. She's awake! James, she's awake! The shrill shout of the other woman made Nadak wince. Yes, that felt like a headache. Out of nowhere, James appeared, carrying a sword of all things. What's going on? Nidak asked as she let herself gently be pulled up to a sitting position against the headboard of the bed she was in. The motion disturbed Kitty, who'd been sleeping against Nidak's leg. He stood up, stretched, yawned, gave a small meow, head-butted Nidak's hand, licked it once and curled back up. James opened Nidak's eyelids one by one and peered into them, shining a bright little medical torchlight. How do you feel? He quieted as he felt her pulse, ignoring her questions. You seem fine. Are you? James, what the fuck is going on? Nidak tried to get out of bed, but James held her in place. Something go wrong? Are we not on the square? What's with all the sounds? The worry in his eyes did not help settle her anxiety. She'd recognized the sounds of battle and didn't like it one bit. Take it easy, Nadak. You did brilliant. The statue and everyone and everything was placed perfectly where they needed to be. I've been told the movement of air caused by the sudden appearance of the statue pushed everyone off their feet. 
you've been told? Uh, yes, it seems you were right about the effect of a second time skipping. By the time I recovered, most people around the square had recovered as well, but you hadn't. I, I was... Damn it, Nedak, I was afraid you'd overexerted yourself to the point of permanent damage. I... It doesn't matter. You're awake now. Tell me, how do you feel? I'm fine. She pivoted between annoyance at his lack of answers and pure love for the way he cared. Can you tell me what in the bloody heavens is going on? Right. It appears we have underestimated the other party. Perhaps we could have used those slurps you spoke about, but you wouldn't have had the energy to get them and move the statue. So that doesn't matter either. The sun should be rising soon, though, but... What? She grabbed his arm. I was asleep for most of the day and night. Bloody shunk swallops on liver cod. Those curses don't even remotely make any sense. And you weren't asleep. You were unconscious. It is not the same. She glared at him. Either way, yes. That's what it is. We merely assumed we would be waiting until you, hopefully, woke up, and until that crown appeared on your head, unconscious or not. I explained to the others the fairy tale of the sleeping beauty. Only a little while ago a sound came, and then we saw. They have siege towers. Siege towers! No one knows where they came from. But there, they were. Not only that, they also have these large bow kind of things, which shoot up large hooks with ropes attached. They're trying to use them to climb up. Luckily and strangely, they only just start their... Um, Attack attempts. There are a few other things, too. Siege towers. Nedak felt flabbergasted. And climbing. They knew the statue was coming, and they were prepared. My fucking Uncle Jodak. Of course he told them everything. Wait, do you think he made the towers appear? No. No, impossible. He should still be imprisoned. Shit. Are any here yet? Is that where the noises come from? Is that where that sword comes from? What are you doing with the sword anyways? Wouldn't you cut yourself? Where is Blackie? Are the insects repelling the people? James had a blank stare on his face. Too many questions. No time to answer them. See for yourself. We're holding the fort, so to speak. For now, anyway. He studied her as she stood up and grabbed her halberd. She looked around and couldn't see much except for bobbing lights. James pulled her along to a side of the statue. A massive hook-arrow thing hung there, but no more robe was attached. There was no sight of the siege towers, but when Nedek looked down, she realized that's where the sounds came from. People were fighting in the square, illuminated by the orange glow of the flying insects. But who was fighting whom? Among all the shouting and clanging of steel on steel, another strange sound caught her attention. A rhythmic grating, 
coming from underneath the statue. It seemed to be at the center of it. She looked down again. James and Nadak were standing on the male side of the statue, the limp penis sticking out like a smooth, weird protrusion. She chuckled as she noticed the sculpted pubes had a perfect pattern of moss growing on them. As she did so, a hand appeared, followed by a head. Somehow, someone decided climbing this side of the statue was a good idea. Hey, I bet you never climbed a giant dick before. She shouted out to the man wearing the blue uniform of the royal guard. The man looked up in alarm at them, grimacing as he pulled himself up to the area where the sculpted shaft met the statue's lower belly. It was flatter than it should have been, as if made for someone to stand right there. Nedek snorted, selected a good-sized rock, and threw it. To her surprise, it hit the man square in the face, causing him to lose his grip and tumble down. Nice throw, James murmured. Nedek didn't reply. The reality just hit her. The last hours before the crown would be hers would not go smooth and peacefully. Instead, it appeared her succession would begin with a lot of bloodshedding and pain. The man she hit may not have survived the fall to the ground high in the air as he had been. People were about to die. Some may already have. And for what? I don't want this. There has to be another way. It shouldn't happen like this. I'm not worth it. What are you saying, Nedak? All of this. She gestured down. In the faint lights, she could see people fighting each other. People in the royal guards fighting common people. And... What was that? There were people who also wore some sort of official uniform. But it was certainly not the blue of the royal guard. Who are they? James shrugged, the gesture making his sword glitter in the lights made by the insects. There were less of them than before. Where did you even get that sword? Careful with that thing, don't point it at me. Don't stab yourself either. James made a dismissive gesture. I've been taking swordplay lessons for the past several years. I know how to handle a sword. As for where it came from, your dragon has been most helpful. She managed to push away one of the siege towers and topple it, but not before she grabbed one of the people and tossed him in our direction. The fall was enough to knock him out, so I took his sword. He grinned as he inspected it, twisting his hand to show all the angles. It's of a simple make, but so well made. Certainly different to the modern made swords on earth. You're a doctor. You shouldn't be wanting to hurt people. It's the worst feeling ever. James, please. Promise me you won't kill anyone. Please. If I'd known this would happen, I would have sent you back. In fact, she bent through her knees. I'm sending you back right now. Don't try to stop me. He didn't have to try. 
From the moment she made the first skipping motion, the slight feeling of the power building up made her head swim and black spots appear. She stumbled forward and would have fallen if James hadn't pulled her back. Seems like you're in luck. There's an issue with the public transport system. She frowned as she mumbled. Nidak looked up in the air to direct her frown there. There was no doubt about it. Less of the glowing insects bobbed round them. And where was Blackie? She tried to contact her in her mind, but an eerie void replaced the richness where normally the dragon's voice existed. Oh no. Her over-exhaustion of skipping the statue had not only inhabited her ability to skip, it also interfered with her line of dragons. Where is Blackie? When did you see her last? She did not like this. The black beast should have been around. She should have been either flying in the air, trying to use her dragon's white gas, or up here on a statue, resting and looking godly or whatever dragons do during battles. It has been a while. Last time I saw him, her, I mean, was when she tore down ropes travelling from the castle's walls to the statue. I do not know where she could be. As if Nadak wasn't worried enough already. Now there was a vanished dragon to fret about. There should be a way to stop all this, James. I cannot let people die for me. I've caused enough death already. This is not what I want. This is not... <laughs> Too late for that, niece. The voice shook her out of her panicked frenzy. Instead, she felt a shock as if her whole body exploded into a thousand pieces and joined back together in a matter of nanoseconds. This could not be. He could not be here. Nothing to say, I see. Yoda grunted and his mouth twisted. Whether it was supposed to be a smile or a grimace, Nedak couldn't tell. You should have stayed away. Why did you not hide somewhere in the city, even after this foolish move of the statue? Ta. Very impressive, nonetheless. I did not believe you could have done it. I doubted you'd be able to. You knew? How? And how did you escape? Riata, did you hurt her? Oh, balls, please don't let him have hurt her. That poor, old, trusting woman. I would never hurt her. He raised his voice and fire glittered in his eyes. I would die first before letting harm come to her. She let me go when I... No matter. Yes, I suspected this was your grand miracle. I managed to piece all of the small bits of information together. It doesn't matter either. All of the royal guard and several mercenaries hired by Frizzandi, the one you've met several times before, have only one objective. Kill you. You should not be here. Why are you not killing me? You seemed eager to do that before. As she said it, Nidak wasn't as certain about that statement as she thought she was. Flashes of their previous meetings flashed by. Meetings in which he could have 
easily ended her life. Numerous threats, yes, but never any real attempt. Never even tried. You don't want to kill me. Are you now betraying your own order? His face darkened at the mention of betrayal. His gaze turned into confusion, and Nedak remembered that time she spied on him talking to Patat, with his extreme mood swings and wavering allegiances. <laughs> niece, you do not know half of what you are getting yourself into. Like I said before, it may have been better to hide, or even to let them have their victory. They are evil people, and I have been part of them for so long. He trailed off, staring at nothing, frowning. He shook his head. No matter. <laughs> he stepped closer. Nedak lifted her halberd in a position ready to strike. For some reason, it surprised him, and he stopped coming closer. I am not going to hurt you. <laughs> I never wanted to kill you. When I heard I had a niece, still alive, and almost ready to receive the crown, that was three years ago anyway, I had to play along and help come up with their plan. Of course, <laughs> they would not have been able to execute their plan without my help and my lines. Even though they are difficult to use with what they had done to me. But I had to comply. Still, my loyalties have been altered to the wrong side for so long. He put a hand to his temple, two fingers missing. It is hard to convince my brain we don't have to follow their ways anymore. Something was wrong. A different feeling descended over the square, enough for Nadak to notice, but subtle enough to know what it was. Silence. Why is everything so silent? James murmured at the same time. What did you do? She demanded Yodak. One look at his face convinced her he also didn't know what was going on. Then... His eyes widened. He bent through his knees, but staggered, yelling at the same time, Go! We have to! Nedak didn't hear more. A blast so loud, she couldn't compare it to anything, except maybe a large waterfall she'd been close to once. Or, no, she could compare the sound to something else. The explosion in her apartment, multiplied by ten, the statue lurched and shook. For a moment, it felt airborne before smacking back down. Nidak lost her footing, almost tumbled over the edge. She managed to hold on to tufts of grass as her legs and hips slid over it. From the corner of her eyes, she saw a figure falling down. James, no! She wanted to shout, but could only grunt at the effort of holding on while from above dirt and clumps of grass and branches rained down on her, 
Trying to heave herself back on top of the statue proved difficult, if not impossible. She prided herself on being able to do almost fifteen pull-ups, but her strength today wasn't what it normally would be. Her feet scrambled on the side of the cliff, trying in vain to find some footing. The statue's surface was too smooth, and the moss covering it in patches made it even slippier. The shower of dirt stopped pouring down. A high beep replaced the belting sounds it had made as it was hitting her head. Her hands still gripped the grass. Her arms still tried to pull herself up. But she felt herself being dragged down by gravity. Even though it was less than on earth, it was still there. Her hands weren't certain if they still held the grass. She couldn't feel it except for a slick sensation. The urge to look down grew strong. She resisted. Too many movies had proven that to be the worst idea. Tears formed, not only from frustration and pending death, but also from the stinging caused by all the dirt. Wait. Maybe. Wasn't the penis right below her? Perhaps she could drop onto that platformed area and... She looked down. Vertigo lurched her view. The penis was just to the right of her. If she dropped, she might hit the side of it and slide off if she didn't manage to get a grip somehow. The irony of a penis deciding her life or death did not escape her, and she snorted, followed by a chuckle, as if penises or the humans they're attached to, hadn't put her in awkward positions before. The thought made her think of Whiny, and she wondered where he was at that very moment. But this time, the large member was her only shot at survival. She leaned slightly to the right, aiming to get some movement. Hopefully that would help with landing straighter on the penis. She felt the tufts of grass straining and breaking with the movement, and maybe slipping through her fingers, but she continued back and forth a few times. Right before she let go, two hands grabbed her wrists. There weren't enough fingers. Little by little, accompanied by many grunts, both from Nadak and her rescuer, she was pulled up. When her hips reached over the lip of the drop, she managed a foothold somewhere and pushed herself up. A leg swung up and she rolled over, fully on top of the statue again. She lay there, panting, and rolled her head to the side where she saw her uncle. He also lied on his back, panting, covered in soil from head to toe. Clumps of grass clung to him. An unfortunate one got stuck on his head, straight up looking like a punky haircut, dyed green and everything. Nedak burst out laughing despite the situation, or maybe because of the relief of not dying. Yurak's one eye stared daggers at her. He obviously didn't share her sense of humour. Would they even have anything in common? Was there a family trait they both possessed? I suppose you really do not want to kill me, huh? Took your time, though. What took you so long? I was so close to falling. 
He gulped, as if he had dirt in his throat as well. Probably did. He glared at her with his one eye. I thought you had gone over the edge and all was lost. Until I heard you chuckle. Huh. Who else would chuckle in a situation like this but my own niece? Nirak did a double take. It almost sounded like a tinge of pride in his voice. Of all the things, chuckling was the one which made him realize they were truly related. There had to be a story in that. That lying, cheating piece of garbage. He wiped his face, failing to rid himself of the dirt. Instead, he rubbed it in even more. Fresh Sunday. I accidentally told her my thoughts about what you planned and how to deal with it. Pillow talk. I made a promise not to act on it. Of course, why wouldn't she have? Huh. She's only ever had one loyalty. Nedak didn't say anything. For one, her ears hurt and she had to concentrate to understand what he was saying. For another, she felt as if, if she'd spoken, he'd stop his train of thoughts out loud. Her hands stung, so she held them up to where she could see them. They were bleeding from tiny grass cuts. Yura glared at her again. We had a complicated relationship, she and me. Huh. Exactly like I had a complicated relationship with the Order, as I'm certain you already knew. I'm still fighting it. But, niece, I'm on your side. Trying to be. He shook his head. They didn't use enough explosives. <sighs> One small mercy. We would have been obliterated if they had. Nedak nodded, an urgency forming in the pit of his stomach. Need to check on my friends. She rolled over and crawled to the edge. Dust still hung in the air, so dense she couldn't see the ground and where people were supposed to be. Where James was, body broken, fallen from a five-story height. The sadness and grief Nedak would have expected felt like a hidden knot inside her chest. It was stuck, as if the loss of her long-time friend, with whom she only just rekindled contact, and who was here because of her, wasn't real until she saw his body. Perhaps she was in shock, she realized faintly. She heaved herself on hands and knees, and managed to stand up, wobbling slightly but stumbling towards the middle of the statue. Only a few steps in, she realized the severity of the situation. The middle of the statue was where the explosion had come from. It was also where the beds were, and her friends, and Kitty. Oh no, Kitty. An overturned bed caught her eyes. She quickened her pace struggling to get through the dense undergrowth. Circling it, she tripped and fell. A hand 
Emil's hand could only belong to one person. Her back cracked as she attempted to turn the bed base back around. The thing was made out of solid hard wood and weighed a ton. It barely budged. At a third try, instead of lifting it, she shoved it with all she could. Two more shoves like that shifted it off the mattress enough to be able to move it. Grabbing a corner of the mattress, she pulled, tears falling as she scrunched up her face with the effort. She lost her balance as the mattress came free more easily than she'd expected. Ferenc lied, face down, as unconscious as he'd been before. Nidak told herself he was unconscious, nothing else. She turned him around to check, hands trembling. A sob escaped her as she felt a pulse, still the same as it was before. The dragon's white gas-induced coma had perhaps helped in keeping him out of worse harm. Despite knowing Farang was safe, her heart didn't get any lighter as she continued. She only had to go a little bit further to see the shape of two people. One, kneeling, slumped. The other, Eba, from the silhouette of the dress, standing, head bowed. Another bat stood not far from them, right side up, almost seeming undisturbed. Nedek's throat closed up as she saw what Milia cradled in her lap. That wretched ball couldn't have come from her, could it? The time it took her to run the small distance, fall on her knees and take the limp, furry body from Milia didn't exist. In her consciousness, she went from seeing this scene to being part of it. She couldn't breathe. Why couldn't she breathe? She strode Kitty's closed eyes. He looked as if he was sleeping. So peaceful, but too limp. She needed air. She gulped it in one big throat-wrecking gasp. Her vision blurred. Her face was wet. Nothing else existed but her grief. Too much air. She was breathing too quickly. Too many stuttering, sobbing gasps while she kept stroking Kitty. Besides the dirty fur, he looked fine. She couldn't see any wounds. Awareness of her surroundings returned and she realized someone was trying to move her head, letting the hands guide her. Ava's face filled her vision, although her trembles and gasps made it difficult for her to hold steady. Breathe, Nedak, breathe. He lives. He lives. Ava made slow, exaggerated inhales and exhales. He lives. Breathe with me. Come now. Breathe. That's it. That's it. It's life. Nidak didn't recognize the voice as her own, distorted and broken. He is. Mia laid a hand on Nidak's arm. He is alive, but needs medical attention. Blackie. We need Blackie. Without waiting for a reply, Nidak began shouting out Blackie's name both out loud and in her mind. 
She could feel the connection was still broken, lost by her exhaustion. Vaguely she wondered if it also hindered the emotional connection. If these strong emotions hadn't elicited a response, she knew the answer to that. A swoop of air announced the dragon before Nedak saw her. The landing was rough, not the usual smoothness Nedak had come to expect. Blackie stretched out her neck and touched Kitty with the tip of her nose. She sniffed, despite the reptile facial features, which were not made to show many emotions besides looking like a big bad dragon. Nedak recognized sadness and anger. Blackie licked Kitty, gave Nedak a look. Nedak was certain she tried to speak into her mind and swung her tail around. The pointy, heart-shaped end covered Kitty completely. A warmth emanated from it, the cozy heat of a wood fire on a snowy winter's day. The heat spread beyond Kitty, and Nedak felt her own body warming up. She gave Blackie a questioning look, but the dragon was focused on Kitty. The warmth penetrated Nedak's skin and warmed up her blood flowed through her veins, invigorating every cell in her body. It gave her more alertness and some of the exhaustion left. Better feel? The relief at hearing Blackie's voice in Nenak hurt her chest, and her stomach fluttered with happiness as Kitty's eyes opened, and he croaked, soft meow. Hey, buddy. Nenak's tears hadn't stopped but now they were soft and gentle, tears of sunlight breaking the eyes after utter darkness. You're all right, she hugged him, kissing the top of his head. You're okay now. You're okay. It's all good. We're good. Kitty meowed in reply. What happened? Where were you? Nedak asked Blackie. Thing. She merely replied, her sing-song sounded serious and tired. Are you hurt as well? I saw your landing, and it wasn't good. My, tired. All we tired. Nedak acknowledged this. Even though Blackie had somehow restored some of her strength, she still felt as if she could sleep for days. She wondered if she could skip now and if it was a good idea to skip somewhere safe until the crown dropped on her head. Take Kitty and the others with her and hide. Perhaps in the stockhouse. But she doubted she'd be able to take everyone. She couldn't leave them here. It wasn't safe, as the explosion had proved. Most of the dust from the explosion had settled, and she saw the big crater it had made only a couple of meters next to them. The hole seemed endlessly deep, as deep as... as deep as the ground. Did they explode it from the bottom, somehow? But how? Her mind tried to process this information, but failed at coming up with anything. She blinked. Someone was missing. She'd already noticed the upturned bed had Miralda in it, and because no one else said anything, she decided she was all right. Where is Milia? 
From the moment she saw Blackie appear, she went to find Farrank, Ava said. She sounded distracted, looking at something past Nedek's shoulder. Nedek turned her head, and her mouth fell open. Backed by the glare of the rising morning sun, Patat's four rings scattered light in all possible colors. She rose to the edge of the statue, carrying James. Or perhaps not as much carrying him as James was clinging to him. He bobbed up and down, barely seeming to move forward, until he was enough away from the edge to be safe. They both tumbled down into a heap. Right as they entangled themselves and looked in Nedak's direction, Yodak appeared directly between them. He was not alone. Wani wore a deep, golden cape, which flared out dramatically in a gust of wind. It made his gorgeous wavy hair bounce in just the right way. A ray of sunlight scattered through the treetops, illuminating his face as if ready for a photo shoot. He had his sword in a neutral stance, his posture straight and proud, yet relaxed and steadfast. Their eyes locked, and Nadak felt a flutter in her chest. He spurted towards her. Nadak, are you all right? What is wrong? Before she could move, he was at her side, kneeling, his concerned face almost making her weep all over again. Trying to swallow the lump in her throat prevented her from replying straight away, so she pointed down with her head. Oh, no. Do not tell me something is wrong with Kitty. The pure compassion in his voice broke her all over again. She leaned forward and hugged him with one arm, still holding on to Kitty with the other. Everything was wrong, she whispered. But it's fine now. What happened to you? She leaned back to look him over, noticing the patch of dirt on his shoulder where her face had rested and included Jodak in her question, who had limped over. James and Patat joined the group, as well as Melia. <sighs> I believe we should leave the questions for another time. Now we fight. He held out her halberd. Nidak slowly took it. What? She frowned at her one-eyed uncle, who turned towards the hall, holding out his sword. Better hope the crown drops soon. When were you born? Get ready! He yelled those last words. Somewhere in the morning, I never knew when exactly, but what the... A group of the royal guard jumped out of the hall, halberds, pikes and swords ready to battle. Time slowed as Nedak shoved Kitty in Blackie's mouth, telling her to bring him to safety, even bring him to sleep if she must. Blackie didn't reply, but jumped up sideways, almost backwards, and flew away. A small part of Nadak noticed she flew lopsided. The bigger part of her already focused on the upcoming fight. We're surrounded! Someone yelled. How can this be? Nadak thought. So sudden! She struck out with her halberd, blocking a sword, and stabbed backwards into the stomach of another attacker. She gritted her teeth and ducked in time to avoid a halberd's blade. Smaller than hers, a childish, satisfied voice inside her mocked. She cried out as she swung her halberd around in a circle, the ultimate desperate move. 
Both the butt and the blade met with resistance, which she'd expected, so she pushed extra force into it. She managed to avoid Whiny, standing with his back to her, stabbing someone through the neck. Brutal. She kicked sideways to topple someone who looked confused from a strike to the head, while stabbing the point of her helmet through someone else's armored chest. The point penetrated easily. Too easy. Nidak felt sick. While she fought for her life, she had to take others' lives, and although she tried to deal out non-fatal wounds, often there was no time or place to do anything else but deliver death. After a while, a minute, an eternity, she found herself fighting back to back with Whiny and Yodak. If this was a movie, she managed to scream at many breaks in between each word, we would... Now be talking with ease about ah! She didn't avoid a slice to the leg. About how in all the hells this so suddenly happened. Blackie had returned and occasionally swooped down to pick one of the guards up and toss them away. She struggled because everyone swarmed closely together. The bells sounded once, starting to indicate the time of day. A bit further away, she could see Ava giving her everything, but she was obviously not trained well. Melia fared better, but as Neda glanced again, after cutting off someone's arm, Melia was down and she saw Ava getting hit in the face with the butt of a sword. The bells sounded again. Neda made a fist and hit a guard without a faceplate in the nose. She struck out with her halberd, repositioning her slick hands on it to swipe the feet from under another. Behind her, the gruff voice of Yodek grunted after a dull thud. The bells sounded. Yodek is down, Whiny warned. A few meters next to them, James did what he could with the sword. However, it was obvious he'd been trained in theatrical swordplay, not actual combat sword fight. His movements were beautiful and graceful, but they were terribly inefficient. Patat sat up in a tree, yelling out warnings to him. The bells sounded. The glowing insects were nowhere to be seen. You're burning back! You're burning back! The warning came too late. A sword struck James, slicing his side. It didn't look too damaging from a distance. Only a slice, not a stab, but enough to stop his movements. Get a dragon! Several voices around Neda cried out, almost oversounding the bells. A sharp pain at her own side pulled her back to her own fight, in time to see a spear push through her belly. It pulled back before she felt it, and only then did her brain acknowledge the worst pain she'd ever felt. The sound of the bells reverberated in her head. She fell to her knees as an awesome force slammed into her. A familiar rippling warmth caused her to smile. Something warm dribbled from her mouth. She wiped at it. Her hand came away bloody and muddy. The bells sounded. The warm liquid dribbled from her belly to her legs, uncomfortably felt as if she'd pee herself. Maybe she had. The flow slowed down at Blackie's touch. Got this, Blackie sing-songed joyfully. 
The bells struck as several spears, halberds and other sharp points attempted to pierce Blackie's scales. Many broke off, but too many others managed to break through. The heat of her tail point disappeared as Blackie roared and swiped it around her. The little bit of energy it had given Nadek had been enough for her to get back on her feet. Her belly was an agonizing mess. The bells sounded. Wani, she said, a little bit weakly. She hit someone with her halberd. I am still here. His voice made it all better. Please, keep talking. I'm hurt. I need your voice. Keep going. She swung her halberd. She swung her halberd, but lost her grip because of all the blood. She swung her halberd, but lost her grip because of all the blood. Or because she felt weak. She wasn't certain. The bells struck. The halberd fell to the ground. It is now the tenth hour. Hold on, Nedek. You can do this. He sounded rough, and as if he was speaking through bared teeth which he probably was. The sun is up, and one of the moons still looks at us. Thank you. Nedak fell to her knees again. She grimaced. In front of her, she saw Blackie trying to fly away, but getting stopped by a dozen men jumping on top of her. Black spots danced in her vision. Winnie's voice sounded distant. Her head swam. She blinked. Yes, that was someone in front of her. Time slowed. What a shame, she murmured. A blade glittered as it came closer to give her the final blow, but another blade deflected it. Almost made it. Should have left my mum's uterus sooner. She snorted and felt warm liquid pour from her nose. <laughs> Always procrastinating, even at my own birth. Her eyes closed and she wobbled, but hands held her steady. Winnie's warm voice forced her eyes back open. How had she ever thought he had a silly voice? The bells sounded. Nedek, hold on. There is almost no one left, he panted. Must be out of breath as well. They have stopped coming. They are almost all down. But, Blackie... Hush, do not speak. It is all right. You can cry. She was not crying. Why would she say that? Oh, she realized she was sobbing quietly, the tears helping the black spots turn her even more blind. Oh, she croaked as she felt her stomach again. A wound like that is dangerous in the best times, with hospitals around. In an environment like this, she was a dead woman, and she knew it especially with Blackie gone. Whiny, 
Wani, I... Pressure settled around her head. Wani gasped. Now what? Nidak thought, a little bit annoyed to have another problem to help her death along. The pressure kept building, until Nidak felt her head would be squashed, but then it softened up again. Liquid poured down, and somehow it covered her whole body. She couldn't stop the scream as her wounds knitted up by themselves. She held out her arms to either side, stretched out her body while still kneeling, and then curled up into a ball. The liquid congealed around her. She floated in it while simultaneously feeling the solidness of the ground beneath her. Powers surged through her body. Instinctively she knew it were all her new lines, yet she didn't know how to use them. One thing she knew for certain. She smiled as she uncurled in a flinging motion. The liquid sped away from her in all directions, pushing outwards in a wave of shimmering blue water, glittering at the edges. Everyone it touched and covered, it healed. Everyone but the dead. Many woke up, hesitantly standing, confused. She counted all her friends among the ones healed. Her heart broke at the too many guards who didn't rise and never would. Blackie roared as she jumped up, her wings flapping once, scales brilliantly iridescent. She stood, giving Winnie a hand to urge to stand as well. Only then did she reach up to feel at the item causing the pressure on her head. The wooden water crown. It did indeed feel like made of wood, but it also had a wet feel to it. She held out her hands in a soothing manner. Please, no more fighting. It is too late. There is no point. Everyone turned to her, many touching specific parts of their bodies, confusion and awe thick in the air. Annie, who still held weapons, threw them down. The blood drained from her face as she realized what her next words were. I am your queen now. Let the bloodshed stop here. Winnie knelt down before she finished talking. The rest of the people followed. A panic rose in Nadek's chest. After all this, seeing people defer to her made her want to run. She couldn't do this. She wasn't trained for this. She... She saw Patat in the tree. He nodded at her, a wide grin on his odd face. She smiled back. There was a lot she'd have to do. There was a lot she'd have to learn. But she wasn't alone. She could do this with the help of her friends. This was her destiny. She snorted. Destiny! Her thoughts mocked herself. <laughs> no such thing as destiny. She'd make her own future. You have been listening to Nadak, Chapter 63, Not Her Destiny. Narrated, adventured and lived through by myself, Nadak. Written in a better way than I can tell it by Astrid Jeff.
don't go just yet. We've got bloopers coming up. Kitty, who'd been sleeping against Nadak's... Can you tell me what in the bloody has... Oh, for fuck's sake, stupid cars. Arithmetic... 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 Why is that such a difficult word? Why is my hand sleeping? Was a good idea. Oh, for fuck's sake. She shouted out to the man wearing the blue uniform of the... She shouted out to the man wearing a bl- bleh. Her over- Her over- Over-exhaustion. Resting and looking godly. You fucker. Mm. How did you- bleh. All of the royal guard and several mercenaries. You seemed eager to do that. that uh, speaking is hard. Vertigo large. What did you do? 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 If she dropped, she might hit the side of it and slide off if she didn't manage to get. To get a grip on the penis. <laughs> As if penises, or the human they're attached to, haven't put her in awkward positions before. <laughs> Ugh. She f- penis, 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 penis. <laughs> throat closed up. As she saw what Melia cradled. Cradled? Cradled? Shit. I do not know. Um, to cradle. Cradle. I think it's cradle. 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 Not cradle. Cradle. Iba made slow, exaggerate, exaggerated, exaggerated. Without waiting for a reply. <laughs> oh fuck, I have to stop crying. <laughs> fuck. Ah. Come on, get it together. It gave her more a ray of sunlight scattered through the tree. So she point, point, pointed. <laughs> Such a long chapter. Smaller than hers. As the gruff voice of Yuda grunted after a tall, tall, tall dud. <laughs> Dull thought when a tall dud. Hesitant. Hesitant. Hesitantly, 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 hesitantly. What is that word? Hesitantly. What? <laughs> Seriously, hesitantly. What the fuck are you hesitantly. Why does it sound so weird? Hesitantly. Hesitantly. That's what I said, right? Hesitantly. What the fuck is that sound? Ugh. Is that a fucking chopper? And done! Oh my gosh! <laughs> the last one. I hope you cried. I did. <laughs>